Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Equality in Business podcast. Our podcast is to create awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. My name is René Clement, and I'm a second undergraduate student at Catholica Lisbon. Actually, do you know what we are going to talk about in this episode? Mm, it's an amazing topic, to be honest. Refugees integration in a labor market. The benefits, challenges they face, and their integration in society. And to talk with us about this, I'm really excited to introduce you, Victor Satoris, who is a psychologist and superior technician at the Portuguese Council for Refugees. A very warm welcome to you, Victor, and thank you for being here with us today. Shall we get started? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay, so we have a little ritual at the end of each podcast episode. Our guest asks a question related to equality to our next guest. In our last episode, uh, if you haven't <laughs> seen our episode, please check it out. Yeah, so, I heard, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we spoke with uh, Joana Canvas from IKEA. Uh, the question Joana left for you was, what do you believe we should do to increase representation of various ethnicities and races present in our societies throughout companies and organizations in Portugal? especially when talking about managerial positions. Um, so before we begin, let me thank you for this opportunity to, to speak with you and uh, of course to, to share my experience and my thoughts uh, about this topic, a really complex topic. Um, as for your question, I would say that above all, we should base our decisions on scientific data which is pretty clear when it comes to the benefits of a multicultural environment. Basically, the, the scientific data show us that a multicultural environment enables the acquisition of new skills and it's very attractive to the first job seekers or, as we call in Portugal, young talents. Um, I can quote a study carried out on several European countries and this, uh, this um, study showed precisely that the companies that hire more refugees are able to make their clients feel closer to the brand and with the progress they were selling, which ultimately led to an increase in sales. So basically, if we take into account this kind of scientific data, it will be easier to understand that diversity, it is always a good measure for any company or organization. So once again, scientific data to uh, guide us in our, in our uh, decisions, always. Okay, so good to hear that. Uh, actually, when I uh, made you this question, I thought about like workshops in order to show companies and organizations if they hire more refugees, if they hire people from various ethnicities that could uh, be uh, helpful and also good for them, you know, like mandatory workshops. Mm -hmm. I thought about something like that, so I was curious to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and basically, I mean, if you think about several companies, I mean, international companies, international brands like, for example, IKEA and, uh, for example, Benetton, you, you always have this positive idea about the brand. So what this study uh, showed was exactly this. At the end, people will buy more products more products if they they see that the brand support any kind of um, 
social activities or any kind of responsibility with uh, uh, minorities with or this case for refugees so i think it's important to to companies uh, make sure that their decisions as to uh, take this into into account because uh, we are talking about uh, helping people but at the same time what a company can can get by helping so it's always these uh, these two sides to to take uh, to take care okay thank you thank you for your answer moving on to today's topic we believe it is important to start by explaining to our listeners the difference between a refugee an asylum seeker and a migrant. Yes, uh, this is a very important topic uh, because we are talking about uh, definitions. And uh, so basically a refugee is someone who has been forced to flee his or her country for political reasons, racial reasons, religious or even social reasons. And basically someone whose country can't or won't protect him or her. Uh, an asylum seeker is someone who requests protection to another country, but who doesn't have a refugee status or any other protection status yet. A migrant, on the other hand, can be anybody who wished, wishes to move to another country for any, any reason, really. The main difference uh, is that migrants are not persecuted or forced to flee their country, unlike a refugee or an asylum seeker. It is very important to make this distinguish because we see almost every day people making these mistakes and talking about refugees or migrants as if there isn't any difference, but there is, and it's huge, especially in terms of motivation to integrate in a new country. Uh, a migrant had a choice, a refugee hadn't. So uh, this is the, the main differences between them. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your explanation. It was very clear. So, according to the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, mm -hmm. in 2021, there were 235 million people in need of humanitarian assistance and protection. The statistics is haunting now more than ever with the recent crisis in Afghanistan. As of September uh, 2021, Portugal has received 178 Afghan refugees. Mm. And could you give more than uh, 300 Afghans? Is Portugal ready to absorb refugees? Uh, yes, uh, it is. Portugal has been welcoming refugees for a while now. And the truth is that uh, there are many areas of activity that need manpower. A lot of refugees are perfectly capable and willing to fill in those spots. So there is a very balanced supply-demand dynamic happening here. In other words, there are plenty of job vacancies, lacking applicants, but uh, these people have the, the will to restart their lives with a job like that. So yes, Portugal is ready to absorb people from Afghanistan, from Syria, from every country. Portugal is ready. Good, good. So good. So uh, your organization is dedicated in helping and integrating refugees and has hosted close to 7,000 refugees in the last seven years. Mm -hmm. You provide services such as social and judicial support, professional integration, uh, teaching Portuguese as a foreign language. So what are the main challenges uh, refugee faces after moving to a new country? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, so 
the first big barrier is the language. Uh, obviously, someone who doesn't understand or know how to speak Portuguese uh, feels a huge distress when uh, integrating. So this is basically the, the first and the most important uh, barrier at the beginning. Uh, the second obstacle is finding a place to live. Because in Portugal, even to rent a house, landlords sometimes demand guarantors and three or four rent payments in advance. In the majority of cases, these people can't fulfill one or both conditions when they first arrive in Portugal. Even for refugees, it is very difficult to understand this because they came from a completely different reality in terms of housing. Things, for example, in Syria or Iraq were more informal and, and in, in Europe, everything is so bureaucratic. So uh, this, um, this, is, this could be a, a real uh, challenge when they, they have to uh, start integration in Portugal. Um, another barrier is finding a job. Of course, it's still not easy for refugees to do that quickly. Uh, so it could take some time, of course. And lastly, there are cultural differences because someone who comes from a country like Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, South Sudan, suddenly has to adapt to rules and standards completely different from theirs, which sometimes frightens them. We are talking about, uh, it's an expression we usually say in our organization, we are talking about cultural adjustments. It is very difficult and demanding for them, of course. Okay, thank you. Uh, I thought that languages and finding a job were the most difficult ones. Mm -hmm. Actually, I haven't thought about culture, but I know that they're from different countries, so it makes sense that for them it's not very easy. Like mm -hmm. uh, restaurants, uh, and they're like not used even in shopping and so on. So in the, yeah, in the restaurants, sorry to interrupt you, but restaurants, it's one uh, great example because most of these people don't uh, drink alcohol for religion's uh, reasons. And for example, to serve alcohol is uh, sometimes we, we face this, uh, this challenge because people don't want to serve. But in Portugal, alcohol, it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's not yeah. thin or it's something really um, inside our culture. I mean, uh, so, so sometimes we, we have to deal with uh, these kind of experiences when people refuse to serve alcohol. And this could be problematic with uh, the restaurant's owners. And we are here to mediate these kind of uh, conflicts. And uh, this is a, a great example of the, the cultural adjustment that these people have to, to do. Well, of course, if they want to, to work in a restaurant, for example. Oh, okay. I had no idea about alcohol. A good curiosity. <laughs> okay, then moving on. And more specifically, what sort of challenges do refugees face when looking to enter the labor force? Do you find that organizations and companies in Portugal are willing to hire refugees? Uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, I mean, a lot of companies are willing to hire refugees. But I think there is a lack of knowledge about their reality. Sometimes companies demand things that simply don't make sense for a refugee, like uh, being able to, to move around and travel uh, inside the country, for example, that is simply not going to happen. Uh, or asking if a refugee or asylum seeker can work in Portugal. They can, of course, but if companies don't know that, of course, they will not hire refugees. So this is one of uh, the biggest uh, challenges that we have to face when we are dealing with companies. 
besides that, there is still a lot of prejudice towards refugees who don't speak Portuguese. Uh, like uh, that is something uh, unchangeable. I mean, learning a new language is a long-term process that occurs on a day-to-day -day basis. It should not be a problem. We cannot forget that we are talking about people who survived and passed through a lot over the last years. I can assure that the language is really something that they are capable of learning and dealing with. But they need time, of course. It is not something that you learn immediately. And um, additionally, I think refugees also feel a great deal of difficulty when it comes to their qualifications. It is not easy to validate their skills or, or um, certificates. So it is hard for them to keep working on the area they have always worked on uh, or, or study for. Most of the times, refugees have to work on something they have never done before. So I think these are the main challenges that the refugees have to, to face in, in Portugal in terms of uh, labor markets, of course. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I see that uh, languages are the the key factor in any labor market, and uh, in Portugal, well, Portuguese is very difficult for them to learn. So it's a, a big challenge for them. I see. Yeah, but uh, if uh, if the, the, these people don't get access to the labor market, they will not improve uh, faster uh, their language because they are not working. So. It is in, in your workplace that you can hear Portuguese, speak Portuguese, understand what people are told, telling you and vocabulary and so on. So working is the, the best way to learn the language. But if, if a company or a, an entrepreneur or an organization don't hire someone because of the language, this process will never end. So I think once again, we have to think about the language not as something unchangeable, but it's something uh, really can be faster to, to learn if we give an opportunity, if we give an opportunity to, uh, to these people to, to improve their skills. And uh, I believe that companies will, will see and will testify, will, will, they can observe that the language will not be uh, a barrier. Of course, at the beginning, it, it is impossible. Of course, uh, I mean, people don't know the language, but maybe it could be better not work, of course, with uh, direct clients, uh, of course, but um, there are another task and another uh, jobs that people can do and uh, they will get time to learn the language and then to, to understand completely the, the Portuguese language. Yes, I see. Okay. Um, so which sectors are easier for refugees to integrate uh, especially taking account the labor market in there in there is a, a sector where a large majority gravitate to sectors like construction hospitality and cleaning are the ones that provide an easier access to the labor market uh, but of course some of these industries were quite covid 19 pandemic of course uh, which made it even more difficult for the refugee population to enter the job market in Portugal. Now, uh, things are starting to go back to normal, uh, I'm hoping. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe new doors can be opened for them soon. It's, yeah. a, it's a wish. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish too. And uh, that's something that we usually see those uh, sectors, people from other countries, they, they mm -hmm. usually... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, how would you answer someone who asks, what are the benefits of having refugees in the workplace? Well, once again, I, I mean, it is a fact that multicultural environments do bring benefits. They allow uh, other employees to learn new ways of, for example, performing tasks. And uh, because a lot of refugees are people with many years of experience, they bring a lot of value and knowledge to the companies uh, to, to start. Um, secondly, the fact that they come from a completely different reality that um, the one we know also allows companies to expand to other markets, for example, uh, Syria and Iraq, once again. Uh, so there is uh, uh, new possibilities to, to share knowledge, to, to explore the markets in, the, in, in those regions. And then, uh, and once again, what scientific data shows uh, is that uh, diversified teams are much more appealing to first job seekers. So once again, we have to focus on what scientific data are telling us. Finally, uh, I mean, these people are very motivated to work because it's the ultimate step to, to do integration. So hiring a refugees uh, or a refugee is, is hiring a motivated worker as well. So this is very important to, to companies to keep these, uh, this thought in, in mind. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have already seen that refugees have to face a lot of challenges when moving on to a new country. What can we all do as a society or individually uh, to help and integrate them? On an um, individual level, we can do, for example, volunteering activities. I mean, there are a lot of organiza organizations in Portugal that need people to help this cause and uh, need more people to to work and to to help the integration of refugees. So this is one of uh, one, one example of uh, what uh, we could do as uh, a society. Uh, secondly, uh, companies need to lose the, the fear of hiring refugees because uh, they have a lot of skills that can and should be used. Um, I will let this uh, a curious note. Uh, there was a project put into action in Northern European countries uh, through which people invited a refugee for an uh, afternoon snack. <laughs> the idea was very successful uh, because it helped to demystify the concept of a refugee, it showed that they are people just like us and brought them closer to the rest of the population. So, I mean, why not to, to do something like that in Portugal? So I will let this <laughs> invitation to the Portuguese population to, to do so. Yeah, <laughs> good idea, good idea. <laughs> okay, over the years there has been uh, attitude shift towards refugees where initially people were open now they're hesitant or, or vice versa. Uh, if yes, why did that happen? Uh, I mean, since uh, 2015, after the big crisis in Syria, we have been uh, noticing a huge change of attitude towards refugees, not only from the Portuguese population in general. Uh, I mean, a lot more organizations started to help and support refugees, such as the Portuguese Red Cross or Caritas, or Plataforma de Apoio de Refugiados, platform to, to support refugees, was also found. Uh, I, I think today, with the recent uh, Afghanistan crisis, we are getting a lot of, of messages from people who want to help and even welcome refugees in their homes. So the answer is yes, uh, we notice an overly positive uh, attitude towards welcoming refugees in Portugal. 
what sometimes may lack is understanding this phenomenon uh, where people came from and the process of how they came to Portugal. That's uh, where we as an organization focus our awareness actions in schools, universities and companies to, to explain this process and to give knowledge to the, to the population of Portugal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think there is a very positive attitude for um, welcoming refugees in Portugal. Okay, good, good. Uh, so good you talk about those organizations. So, to finalize, could you share with us a recipient success story after their uh, move to uh, Yeah, I mean, I remember a, a Syrian family that had a very interesting journey and now owns a restaurant in Lisbon. They were welcomed by the CPR and although they had the big advantage of speaking English, they quickly started learning Portuguese and were soon able to start their own business. Today, they own a restaurant that hires not only non-refugee people, but also and mostly Portuguese people, which is basically the holy grail of having refugees contributing to our country. The restaurant, by the way, is called Taibé and it's very good. And uh, I will, uh, of course, challenge you to to go there and to try because I, I think you you will like it because the food is really amazing <laughs> wow okay good Taibe, don't forget the name Taibe. okay <laughs> thank you for sharing i mean it, it's amazing when you have this this kind of uh, examples because uh, i mean you you welcome these people and, and now they are hiring Portuguese people. So it's for me, it's the, the biggest example of integration a refugee family can, can have. in, mm -hmm. in Okay, so we are now reaching the end of today's podcast episode. But before we say goodbye to you, Victor, we would like you to take part in our ritual and uh, ask a question that you would like to see answered by our next podcast guests. Okay. Um... I will let uh, an, uh, a question that we usually do in, uh, in several awareness sessions. Basically, is if you only had one minute to flee your country, what would you take with you? And this is my question for the next uh, guest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, good question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we look forward to the, to the answer our next guest will have, and I'm curious about it. <laughs> Yeah, you can answer too if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So next podcast, I'll give my my answer. Okay. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, valuable insights. It was a pleasure having you here with us today. Our next episode will be online on the 22nd of October. Feel free to always reach out to us on our social media accounts. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business, where on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Looking forward to talking to you in two weeks. Until then, stay healthy and safe. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you soon.